Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of the Landlord Page podcast. I'm here with the new host, Andy. Hello. How are we doing? Good. Always good. Good, good, good. So this week, Andy, we've got Lee Curtis coming on the episode. Now, Lee, I've known for many years. He's a land... He's got a land business that deals with brokerage, dealership, everything from buying and selling land. Uh, I think with land, I mean, land is is, is always going to be what someone's prepared to pay for it. Yeah. Um, and every, every developer's circumstances are different in that, um, you know, if you've got uh, a site for 10 units, for example, and you've got, uh, you know, a medium house builder that's looking to build those out, their overheads are going to be a lot higher and therefore they're not going to be able to spend as much for the land as, you know, Bob the Builder would be able to. Yeah. So landowners, you know, you can go on Google and you can you can search land prices, for example, and the old rule has always been sort of a third, a third, a third. So you've got a third as your land value, a third as your build cost, and a third as your profit. Profit, okay. Uh, but where the build costs have gone, gone so high, um, I mean, I think probably since COVID, I'd say the build costs have gone up 50, 60%. They're, they're, they're mm. so high at the moment. I mean, you know, many years ago, you know, you could, you could build, build a site out for 100 and, £150, £160 a foot. Mm-hmm. You're lucky if you get that under 225 at the moment. He's a top guy, very, very knowledgeable. Um, it's taken me about two years to get him on because he's, <laughs> he's a little nervous in front of the camera. But what are you most looking forward to asking Lee? Yeah, it'd be great to, great to speak to Lee. I mean, one of the main questions, especially from my background that I want to ask him is, is what are developers doing at the moment and, yeah. and how busy is it um, sort of in, in the land registry, uh, land, land, world. Re- land world? Yeah. Um, and yeah, what, what is it sort of big developers that he's mostly dealing with or, or small developers? So I'm interested to get his view on on yeah the clients that he's dealing with and transactions going through you know how how big is the land that he's he's sort of seeing most of and sort of gain an understanding of of sort of which direction it's it's going in with is it more smaller developers or or is it bigger developers that that are coming in for this for this land really absolutely and i think from my point of view i want to really get stuck into what is going on with the land market i know what's going on with the sales market you know what's going on yeah, with the lettings yeah. market is the land world in the same level as us, or has it changed? Has it has it had a bigger impact since the Liz Trust sort of uh, mini budget? Is it buoyant? Is it down? What is it? So we're going to put Lee on the spot. His business is Kurtland. He's the business owner of Kurtland. He deals with land up and down the country, from small plots to large plots. We'll talk about that on the episode as well. Right. But let's get him in, shall we? Yeah, definitely. Let's do it. So Lee, two and a half years in the making. Welcome to the Landlord Page podcast. We, we got here eventually. We, we did. did, yeah. You're a busy man and also not a fan of the camera, as no. we as we well know. Absolutely so, uh, hate it. Yeah, so I appreciate you coming on, but we're just going to have a chinwag today. Um, so from your point of view, land, uh, let's, let's cover a few things, but land, uh, mini budget drama, property market, developers... How is it in general at the moment? Just it's just overall kind of perspective on the land market from your point of view. It's a it, you know it, it, it's a strong market. Um, the, the the biggest problem we've got is overpriced sites um, at the moment, and we've also got, which is probably the biggest issue, is the ever uh, uh, going build costs uh, or ever rising build costs, shall I say? On on the pricing, um, sales pricing, like residential sales pricing has corrected off of the sort of mini budget. And I'll probably say we've seen 
10, 11% drop since the summer. But for land, is it maybe the owners haven't corrected at the same rate as, as the market, as it were, do you think? Uh, I think with land, I mean, land is, is, is always going to be what someone's prepared to pay for it. Yeah. Um, and every, every developer's circumstances are different in that, um, you know, if you've got uh, a site for 10 units, for example, and you've got, uh, you know, a medium house builder that's looking to build those out, their overheads are going to be a lot higher and therefore they're not going to be able to spend as much for the land as, you know, Bob the Builder would be able to. Yeah. So landowners, you know, you can go on Google and you can you can search land prices, for example, and the old rule has always been sort of a third, a third, a third. So you've got a third as your land value, a third as your build cost, and a third as your profit. Profit, okay. Uh, but where the build costs have gone gone so high, um, I mean, I think probably since COVID, I'd say the build costs have gone up 50, 60%. They're, they're, they're mm. so high at the moment. I mean, you know, many years ago, you know, you could you could build build a site out for 100 and, 150 160 pound a foot mm-hmm. you're lucky if you get that under 225 at the moment really um that's so that, how that far third it's been up. on the profit is where the issue sits at the moment yeah then so for... you've got at the moment um you've got landowners that would you know obviously they want as much as they they can get for their land um but they're probably in the region of about sort of 30 to 40 percent but once you've taken into uh, of gdv sorry but once you've taken in the uh, build costs in reality the land value is really coming down to about 20 to 25 percent and that's not reaching where the land owners want to be yeah and therefore those they just they just sit on the market they, they just can't move i think what's interesting for land valuations as well is when you're buying a house or you're renting a house you'll pay a little bit more to rent it or to buy it if it's the sort of dream home because you, yeah, the visual yeah. is, right, I'm going to be there with my family and you know, you're going to spend the time with your family in there. But when it comes to buying land, you're not buying it for a lifestyle. You're buying it for profit yeah. in yeah. reality, aren't yeah, you? Exactly. So it either works or it doesn't. It is yeah. quite black or white, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah exactly that. I mean, I, I, I sort of deal with sites where I send them out to you know a, a, a number of developers They'll look at that, you know, and you can sort of do a fag packet valuation. You look at it, what's what's the gross development value going to be mm. at the end? How much is it going to cost to build it? Um, and how much is, uh, have I got to pay to, to, to buy it? And, you know, just putting those three figures down, you can see straight away whether or not the site's going to work. You know, if you've got, uh, 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 let's say, a site that's got a gross development value of 10 million pounds and you've got to pay 6 million pounds to buy the site yeah. and it's going to cost you five and a half million to build it just doesn't work you know your fact typical fag packet valuation yeah you know it's obvious that isn't going to work and you can't go by the normal rules of 30 30 30 or a third third a third anymore so now you have to look at a site on its individual merits uh you know what are the property values are the property values likely to sort of decrease or increase yeah um you know and when you're buying a site you've got to look at um you know obviously the property prices but you've got to almost sort of predict what they're going to be like in a year two years time mm. um but with everything going on at the moment with with trust and her antics uh, antics should i say that 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 happened obviously everything just tanked yeah um which you know is 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 difficult makes it a difficult market i guess interest rates on that scale is a totally different scenario for developers because i'd imagine they're not buying most land plots cash are they some do um but yeah, I think I think 
predominantly developers want to use bank funding rather yeah, than yeah. rather rather than their own. I think cash is king at the moment, isn't it? With and, the developers that you that you have, I mean, do are these developers buying this land obviously to build the properties and then to sell them on, or do you see developers sort of integrating into the build to rent side of side of things and looking to keep hold of that site and that development and look to go towards the the rental side of things, or is it mainly just sales? sales stuff that's a good question because a lot of people i mean you've got your typical developers that will uh, buy build and just sell yeah because that's that's what yeah. their model is um, but your smaller developers um, are certainly looking more into the rental market yeah because that's that's the sort of reason why i asked that is because especially from what i've seen over the last 12 months is that you will get developers that are sort of interested in the rental side of things now and keeping hold of that investment and then if they get an income from those 10 units that they've that they've built mm. then that will tide it over and that will you know have some sort of cash value to go and buy another site and then keep hold of these keep hold of these sites rather than you know a few years ago it used to be develop the houses sell them move, move on but there it does seem to, seem to be sort of a change that they are keeping hold of the sites and renting them out yeah i think some developers are looking at maybe sort of keeping maybe 20, 25% yeah. of a block using that as yeah. uh, as rentals and then maybe raising finance against a block yeah. using that to buy something and fund something else. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it, it is changing. Um, I mean, your typical sort of developers that, um, you know, your, your, your more well-known ones, that they, they don't get involved in that. Certainly nah. PLCs don't get involved in that. Medium house builders, they don't really get involved in that. It's, it's your smaller house builders yeah. Yeah. that are getting into that because I think um, it's a case of wherever you can get an income now, isn't it? And, yeah. You know, and if that's keeping 25% of a block, keep hold of that, get an income from it, and mm. then go and buy something else. Feels yeah. in, it feels in other countries that whether it's fund investment or pension purpose investment investment or just like consortium investment, it feels like there's some big powerhouse investors that are doing the build to rent stuff mm. in other countries. I know yeah. you've spent the last 12 months dealing directly with a lot of these build to rent developers yeah. on, on big, big scales, as we were talking about in your podcast. And it feels like maybe that's that's a UK thing that's about to get hit, especially if we've seen prices corrected by, you know, 10, 11, 12 percent. Yeah. Then maybe from an investment point of view now is 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 a really great opportunity. Yeah. But only if the land is is correctly priced. And that's where a lot of the issues potentially sit in the UK. Yeah. 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 That's, that, that, that's exactly where it is. Um, you know, there's there's a, a, a lot of landowners out there that, um, you know, that do want to sell. But. I think you know there's there's the rise of the um you know the i don't know how to, how to sort of say it really but you've got you know all these online courses that are coming on you know yeah. how to buy land and how to do this and how to do that yeah um and 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 sometimes the the information that's given isn't isn't correct um you know because these people they'll you know, they'll approach landowners, for example, and they'll say, right, you know, you can expect to get this from, from your land without taking into account the contributions that are required, um, the bill costs that are required, mm. and typically going along the third, third, and the third. And what happens is all these sort of online um, agents that, that that come into the forefront, they, you know, they're, they're, they're pitching prices to landowners um, that are just too high and, yeah. and, and unachievable. Um, and it will, you know, it will get to a point that, you know, over time, 
the, the prices will come down and everything will start to stabilize again. But just at, just at the moment, the prices, the land values are just way too high. Mm. Unless you can get it off market. If you can get it off market, it's one to one, then you've, you, you know, you've got a good chance of selling it. Yeah. And then with the, with the lands now, do you see a lot of sort of big players buying up this, this, this land rather than your, your sort of smaller smaller developers so if you look at the land banking yeah Yeah. i mean yeah if you look at the big players i mean you know there's news articles every single day locally that you know so and so bought this bought this land they're going to build x amount of properties properties on it so there seems to be all of the news that you hear is about these (laughs) big players doing it and, and really the smaller developers are getting sort of pushed away because the bigger players can just buy this land don't mind paying a bit more money for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I said, the, the smaller developers aren't really getting a chance to to get stuck in and, and buy, you know, a, a decent sized bit of land to build 10, 20 day properties, mm-hmm. properties mm-hmm. on it. Um, so do you see that with the clients that you sort of deal with or, you know, you get in your smaller, smaller developers introduced to land, they're buying it, et cetera, et cetera. I, I mean, th- 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 there is cases of developers that are going out and buying big, yeah. big parcels of land, um, but they buy it early to get it cheap so that they've got the time to yeah. muck around in planning because planning takes such a long time. I mean, and that takes, on average, how long's planning taken at the? Uh, at most the local authorities will sort of say sort of anywhere from twelve to fifteen weeks. Right. But in reality, you're lucky if you're sort of twelve to fifteen months at the moment it's, it's just taking so long and and that's been like that ever since covid mm. um it's almost like all of the local authorities are all working from home now yeah um you know uh, our local authority uh, you know you, you you try to speak to them there's nobody there you know you get a, an auto response our virtual office is closed or and mm. it's like well where are you then you know you're not in your office you're not you're not doing anything on the planning and and everything's just taking so long um but yeah, sorry, I forgot what the question was. <laughs> That's a frustration, though, yeah. isn't it, from yeah. a planning point of view? Yeah. Because you want to get some traction. And even even in house selling or anything, you know, whether it's a new home residential or a let, momentum is key for the buyer. Mm. They want to feel the excitement of getting the offer agreed is, is, is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Then you want to get to the next part, which is making it official. And if there's too long in the middle, the chances of it not happening... Mm are heightened and those sort of issues i i guess you're yeah because i suppose if you've got your smaller smaller developers they'll buy land they'll need that process as quickly as possible in order to mm. get the cash to buy to buy the next site but you know the the bigger developers like you said can just hold on yeah they've got scalability and, on their yeah, side you know they? they don't need to release the cash and they'll just keep hold of it mm. you know i've seen bits of land from three years ago that have been bought and still nothing's been been done on it yeah so they've got that that they're in that position just to keep hold of it but like i said your smaller developers obviously need that quick turnaround time so if the planning permission's not been done for 12 15 months Mm. what they what they gonna do that's the thing i mean you you see a bit of land that's been bought three four years ago um without having you without looking on the planning portal it's difficult mm. to know what's happening and yeah. so joe public will drive past a piece of land and go oh, it's been sat there for like nearly five years it will, 
you know, what's happening? What they don't know is, you know, maybe that land's got some kind of listing on it. Um, you know, is yeah. there some kind of heritage on there? You know, has it been in planning for three years? Has it been refused? Mm. Special, is it special frogs and things like that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorts of, <laughs> yeah. Sorts of, it's you know, a real issue. Like yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. And, you know, they, they've got to go through that period of, of yeah. getting everything off the site yeah. and, and clean the site. It might be contaminated and you've just got to go through that process. But, you know, in order to... Uh, you know, start construction, you've got to go through the planning process. Yeah. To get through the planning process, I mean, you're 12 to 15 months, you know, as soon as you bought the land. Mm. And then you've got 15 months, you then get planning. You've then got to go buy the yeah. architects. You've then got to get technical drawings. Yes. And you've got to get those all approved. Then you've got to get all your conditions all discharged. It's just crazy, isn't yeah. it? It's you know, crazy, if you've got 30, 40 process. conditions on there or, or 20, 20, 30 conditions on there, you know, it can take up to six weeks just to, to get rid of one of them. Yeah. It sounds to me like the land process is is as archaic as the conveyancing process in terms of all of these things that take so long. Yeah. You know, it, mm. what, what is the future? What what would you like the future of it to be? Because it should be more simple. You know, that's a title. That's a buyer. They've got a plan on what they want to do. They're happy to pay that price. Yeah, get, done get and dusted. It, get it done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's it's never that simple, is it? It's never that simple. Um, it, it's it's the planning process that's that's the difficulty at the moment. Um, I think you know you can you can find sites um, easy enough, but it's it's just getting it through that planning process. So I guess to answer your question in an ideal world, what we would like to do, what would we like to see? I guess probably what we like to see is what what happened in the seventies is you know you, you you find a bit of land you draw a red line around it you take it to the local authority and say can I build on that please mm. and they say yeah that's fine yeah yeah and then you go away and you build on it you yeah know, that's in an ideal world but that isn't going to happen but that's um, what it, that's what the local authority want they want more building they you know you yeah. mentioned you mentioned on your podcast about the constraints that the councils have got for their 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 objectives to actually get mm. more properties built in their area. Mm. Yeah. Everyone wants it. The seller wants to sell. The buyer wants to buy and build and, and create and make profit. The people want to buy the homes. Maybe a couple of neighbours on local farms have got issues yeah. with sites yeah. going up, but that's just reality. You know, move further away from yeah. the town. That's yeah. the way yeah. you've got to do it if you want that lifestyle. But everyone wants it, but it just can't it can't happen that fast. It no, just no. seems mental, doesn't yeah. it? And you know, you've got the you know uh, uh, the the country sort of screaming out for for more properties, and they've just got to fix that planning process. Well, this yeah, this is what I said in the in the in the other podcast is that councils have a, a have a quota that they've got to hit. So that could be ten thousand homes in the next five years. So they need people to to build homes. Yeah. You know, that's that's already set. They're probably getting funding. And they've got to hit that in order to get that funding. So if they sped up the process of, mm. of planning applications, then everyone's happy, aren't they? The, yeah. the housing demands are, are being met. Councils are hitting their, their quotas. But it's just that middle part that is just, it, 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 yeah, it's just yeah. crazy. It just holds yeah. everything up. It will put developers off. You know, these smaller developers, it will put them off because they know that they need to wait 12, 15 months or whatever for, for planning planning permission they end up going else going elsewhere yeah so yeah if they fix that middle bit i mean the whole journey would be a lot better get more more property built which is what everyone wants which is what everyone needs so yeah fix it and you get everything you get more to rent 
Yeah, everyone's yeah. happy. <laughs> everyone's happy. You've got a business. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the trouble is, is you know, how, how do you fix the local authorities? Um, you know, I mean, nine out of 10 local authorities are all short-staffed. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, they've got maybe two planners that are trying to deal with a whole borough. Yeah of applications, you know, and it's not just applications that are for 10 apartments or 12 houses. These are applications to prune a tree, Mm. you know, or to move a shed and stuff like that. And it just, they just get bogged down. If there's only two or three of them in the, in the office, you can see why it takes so long. Yeah. It's crazy. So Mm. Lee, talk to me about Kurtland. Let's, um, let's sort of explain for the people listening and watching how does your role your business work in all the middle of all of this so talk us through that because you, it's you've been in land now for for over a decade so yeah. how's how's it evolved from your point of view or hasn't it and and how are you involved in the land process for the people that may want to contact you after the episode um so kurtland developments uh we are the middleman ultimately um, between landowner and developer. So you open the um, doors. Yeah, exactly that. So um, I, I guess sort of most of my days, if you like, is finding sites, um, sort of trawling through software that we've got, writing to landowners, you know, are you interested in selling your land? Uh, and obviously going to see those landowners and, and discussing what we can do, how we can market the, the, the site for them. Um, once we've got all of the information, we then sort of pitch that to a number of developers. The developers say, yes, you know, we're, we're happy to proceed or, uh, you know, we want to meet on site, want to meet the owners uh, and ultimately put, put a deal together. Um, so what we do is we introduce the landowner and the buyers together and any service they require in the mid- middle, solicitors, planners, architects, surveyors, anything, we'll organise everything. In, in the middle of that mm-hmm. as well. Um, so it's, it's we, we, we're trying to be a sort of one-stop shop where, you know, a landowner can sit there and say, right, you know, we, I wonder what we can do with our land. Um, we'd like them to obviously give us a call, say, come around and have a look. Um, and then obviously we, we, we go from there. But I think a lot of sort of land brokers and agents, they're very pressurized um, and, and very sort of, um, you know, you've got to come on the market now, you've got to do this. But I think with land, it's it's because it takes so long, it's not something that you want to meet a landowner and put it on the market the next day. You want to meet the landowner, um, discuss the land, research the land, you know, what can we actually do with the land rather than just throw it on the market with no information at all. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to give a service to landowners that, you know, they feel that they're getting the best value for their land. Because with the limited sort of experience I've got in land, but sort of 20 years in property, there's little things that I, I've i learned and picked up on. For example, I, I've had buyers say, right, I want to I look at that bungalow because I want to go up a level and turn it from a two-bed you know, bungalow into a four bed detached house. And you can easily look, kind of look at the three houses to the left, the three to the right and go, well, they're all bungalows. Mm-hmm. So that's not getting approved. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you might be able to look at, you know, one of the, the pubs from the smoking ban fallout, which have probably still got concrete yeah. blocks around them that nothing's happened to them. Mm. And someone might turn around and say, well, I want to turn that into a, a monster block of apartments. And you might look at it and go, well, there just clearly isn't the parking for that to be an option. So mm. I've sort of got a little bit of understanding, but for for you in the buyers that you're talking to, the new buyers rather than the big boys, what's the qualification that you can quickly help them with when they're looking at 
these sort of you know massive ideas and plans of grandeur that they've got to actually start buying land and, and turn it into development what would be the quick wins and advice you would give them as a developer or yeah or... As, a, as a new developer as someone that you know maybe they're a builder they've done a one for one or something like that and then they're, they're now looking to go to that next level and buy a pub as an example and try and turn that mm. into a block of 12 what what little qualifying advice would you give for them find yourself a good agent i.e. like Do you know me one? yeah, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> find yourself a good agent um and and have a good power team behind you um, architects are massively important yeah um planners massively important and if you can get an architect and planner in the same office absolutely ideal as in they work together work almost. together yeah, yeah okay yeah. so the trouble is is you know you can you can see a derelict pub for example and go you know that'd be amazing i'll put 60 apartments on there an architect will look at you and go it's not going to fit work, yeah. under yeah. any circumstances. That's not going yeah. to fit. But what we can do is we can probably put 20 on there or 25 on there, subject to planning, and then do it that way. Um, the planner will go through all of the planning laws and the architect will go through the drawings and make sure it fits and gets the parking in and moves everything around. So it'd be get a good agent and uh, get a good power team. Yeah, we've we've mentioned on this podcast for the years that we've been doing it now, coming up for two years, the power team in any context is just so important that you've mm. got that tried and trusted group of people yeah. that you can just ask that question on. You know, it's it's yeah. so important. And I guess, yeah, the architect really has a huge impact in that and the planner. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a lot of them that work in unison? Is there a lot of those kind of yin and yang combos out there? Um, there's a few out there. Yeah. Um, I, I'd say sort of architects typically they 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 they're sort of separate, but a lot of planners work with a lot of architects, and a lot of architects work with planners. Not necessarily in the same office, but there's um, you know a lot of architects will know a lot of planners, um, and in specific areas that are looking because I think that's that's key. So if you're looking in Croydon, for example, you're not going to want a planner that's based in Edinburgh. Yeah. No, so you want a local you could, because they, you know, they will know the planning laws eventually. Yeah, but they've got to look up those planning laws. Whereas, obviously, somebody based in Croydon, someone local, will know it inside someone, out and back. Yeah, someone that knows the area or and, someone and, somewhere. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. it's the contacts, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You, you can pick up the phone or drop a WhatsApp to someone and say, "Can you have a look at that for me?" Yeah, yeah. but you know, those little golden nuggets are yeah. just vital in this game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I have, um, you know, I drive past sites and you know, I, 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 I sort of park up and I'll, I'll sit there and I'll, I'll phone an architect and I'll say, "Look, you know, what, what do you think about this site? Here's the address." they'll go on google and they'll say well nice site looks looks quite good um probably looking maybe 10 12 apartments on there there or thereabouts but if you've got an architect like that that you you know if you are a developer and you've got an architect like that that you can literally just phone up or send a message to um you know here's an address mm. you just take a quick look and just let me know you, you know you, you the most of your job is just done right there and yeah. then yeah um you know then the, the, the hardest thing is just buying the land you know and what the expectations the landowner wants mm -hmm. and that's that's the hardest mm. thing um so yeah well you know what i'm looking for we had that conversation we have yep so and i'm sure there's people out there that are also got desires that they're looking for certain things so definitely have a chat with lee because you you deal with any parcels of land or conversions or um you know sort of commercial to resi you pretty much kind of yeah i I don't sort of typically deal in commercial. I've got commercial contacts, which if somebody's looking to buy a commercial building or, or, or something like that, that's fine. I can pass them over to those those contacts. Um, I think there's a lot of good commercial contacts mm. out there. Um, and for me to sort of move into that mm -hmm. and try and do resi at the same time, I just think it's, it just creates a lot of work for me that I think there's better people out there 
on the commercial side that nice, are better yeah. than me that, yeah. that can deal with that. And I'd rather put those people in touch with those guys that will give them the full yeah. the full service rather than, you know, me trying to wing it and ad hoc a, a, a deal together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. that's good. Good, good point. It's nice to know because I think it is specifics and specialisms in, in this yeah. sort of part of the property mm, game is yeah, really important. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I'm going to work on you for the next two years to try and get you back on uh, for round two. But what, what do you think is <laughs> going to <laughs> What do you think is going to happen with just the property market in general? You know, from being in property, from being a former agent, you're now involved in this. What's what's your kind of take on 2023's property market? What do you expect to happen? Or are you not really kind of fussed? You're just going to go as it goes. Some people are just like, well, whatever. But what's your thoughts? It's a difficult question, isn't it, really? Um, you know, nobody's got a crystal ball. Um, a lot of developers that I'm speaking to at the moment are hinting that there's there's potentially a dip coming, yeah, maybe sort of 4 or 5% dip coming. Um, but then there's others that are massively, you know, positive and, you know, it is what it is sort of thing. Mm, yeah. Um, at the end of the day, when, we're, when I'm pricing up land, I can only price the land up based on today's values. I can't price it up based on a year or 15 months down the line you know, mm. nor can you price a yeah. property at that that sort of level mm. so you know i think property always comes in peaks and troughs you know it always goes up it always goes down always goes up and down um and i think we're you know potentially on a down at the moment um you know it'll, it'll dip up a couple of pips possibly um and then it will start to level out and mm. i think that that's the key thing is just leveling out so buyers buyers are being negative before they offer Mm. sellers are being positive <laughs> before they go to market the old classic kind yeah, of, yeah i mean yeah. you know what we're seeing firsthand on on the residential sales side of things is it was it was a little bit torrid after the liz trust scenario and and that was a definite obviously interest rates have gone up but they've they've come down yeah i think most people were expected in november that we'd be sat here in march with interest rates potentially as high as seven yeah, percent sure it's not they're three percent yeah. they're four percent mm. so we're in a better place uh, Halifax Index report reported that February prices actually went up by 1.1% for the first time in six months. Yeah. So, you know, that's some stability that I think is there. Mm. So I, I do think that potentially this year we're here for level playing field. You yeah. know, I, I don't see there's going to be a climb. I don't see there's going to be a significant drop. Maybe month by month we see a half a percent up or down throughout yeah. the year yeah. as peaks and troughs happen. But I think we're, we're there or thereabouts now for a bit of mm. stability and, and yeah. just see that potentially happen for the next 18 months. Yeah. Um, but we never know what's around the corner, do we? No. We don't know what they're doing in the uh, in the Houses of Parliament or wherever they're making these key decisions. So Yeah, um, and of course, everything that's going on in Ukraine and Russia, you know, that's that's not helping everything in, it's helping in, a lot with general. material costs and things like that i would imagine for the developers uh no it's making it worse it's, it's hard uh, to get sorry, not helping it's, it's <laughs> impacting rather yeah, than helping yeah, yeah, sorry. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly that so you know I, I guess it's you know how how is that going to pan out yeah are we going to be here in a year <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that is a question for that another podcast that's, that's, going that's the, yeah. another podcast yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not on a friday no. um yeah. but no i mean you know who knows what's around the corner so, and that's why i think you know on that note it's important to just carry on with your goals and aspirations you know yep. whether you're yeah, looking definitely. to buy your family dream home because yep. you you've you've had you've sold your business and you're looking for a, a two-bed bungalow with a huge plot in a nice location you want to build your own mm. dream house yep. you know we've all got in property mm. that kind of that big yeah. goal to do one day you know yeah. when, when when we hit kind of our late 50s or whenever it happens and 
or whether you're someone that's actually now interested and your business has turned into, um, you know, a real cash cow and you're looking to get into property, then yeah. either way, have a chat with Lee and he can help you out with um, what it is that you're looking to do. So thanks for joining us. Thanks Thank for having you. me. Thank you, guys. So Andy, Lee's left the building. Yes. It's a good chat, actually. And although he said he was going to be nervous, I thought he was pretty confident yeah, in the conversation. He handled he? it well. I was quite surprised. So, yeah, yeah, yeah good, he did good well. on Lee. What was your biggest takeaway from the chat with Lee? I think my biggest takeaway from having a chat with, with Lee was just how um, sort of slow the, the process currently is yeah. from from getting the land and, and getting the, the the planning permission for for that land. Um, you know, one of the things that he said is that you hear sort of stories going around that it's 12 to 15 weeks for, for planning permission to be granted. It's not that. It's, yeah, it's more like 12 weeks, to 15, yeah. 15 months. And one of the things that we were talking about was that, is that sort of taking away developers for actually wanting to get involved with that land if that's if that's how long the process takes uh the smaller developers that's not going to help them because with smaller developers they'll probably need to get action on something quick so they can build and and sell or, or rent so they can move on to the next project um obviously with the bigger developers probably doesn't have much of much of an issue for them um but yeah it, it's it's definitely a fix that's needed is the in-between time on 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 the planning permission i think if that's sped up it will it will help everything yeah. um it will create more housing um so yeah that's something that we it needs to needs to be sorted so yeah it was good to get his view on 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 that and learn about that because you know to hear 12 to 15 months i i i, I didn't think that didn't think that before so it's great to get his yeah. perspective on it and, and hear that it is archaic that setup and it's a shame really because everyone wants it to get to the spade in the ground but they just don't seem to be able to do it and yeah. i really I, I actually quite like the simplicity of the measure third a third a third yeah i thought that was great yeah. it's kind of like right the land should cost a third the build should cost a third and the profit should be a third yeah that's quite a nice kind of simple measure for anyone listening that could probably put on it to give themselves a rough idea on what yeah, something's absolutely. worth. absolutely so that was really good it's great having lee on and if people want to get in contact with lee from kurtland we'll put all of the contact details in the show notes his website his um his email address as well potentially and uh yeah until two years time when we get him on again yeah <laughs> andy thanks for joining me thank you We'll be back Thank next you. Friday. I'm flicking through YouTube and through Spotify. I don't think there's a podcast or a video channel on YouTube that landlords can land on where they're not being sold something. I mean, it'd be the first time any estate agents ever asked that question, but why not ask that question to a wider audience? They agents have the knowledge there, but they don't seem to share it. You can do different episodes based around someone that wants an exit plan or someone that's just starting their portfolio. The rules change every year. Yeah. But why not just open the floor out and just say, well, is property even the best investment out there? And tax advice is a big thing, especially with everything that's changed, capital yeah. gains tax and obviously your stamp duty costs that you need to pay and whatnot. People don't realise what they need to prepare for. We build a podcast and we build a YouTube channel, somewhere that landlords can go and they feel they're not being sold to, but they're just getting quality advice.